Welcome to Talking Heads on USA Global TV, starring the one and only wonderful Dr. Jacqueline. It's a prestigious place where world-class influencers and experts meet, and where you'll find the most trusted advisors and coaches for all things in life and business. Visit usaglobaltv.com to sign up for our newsletter, get the value you need, and be first in line to learn about events and giveaways and other valuable content. Connect with us. Email Dr. Jacqueline at usaglobaltv.com to talk about how you can become part of USA Global TV. That's USA Global TV, where the doctor is always in. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Happy Thursday, happy Friday, wherever you are in the world. This is USA Global TV and Radio. I'm Dr. Jacqueline Kerbeck, the president, founder, and chief listening officer here at our network. Our show today is Aging Gracefully with Humor. I'm super excited for this topic. It's all about dementia and caregivers and how caregivers can actually make this time of life something that is more fun than not. And uh, there's times you'll cry, but there's times you need to laugh as well. And many of us know someone or living with someone, care for someone who has dementia. So our guest today is going to be giving us everything that we need to know to try to find the joy in it. Welcome, Kathy Fulton, who is returning. I'm sober excited to see her. She's been on vacation and traveling and celebrating a birthday and just super happy to have her back. Let's welcome her and then we'll bring out our guest. Hi, Kathy. Hi, good morning. Nice to see you. It's nice to see you. It's good to be back. I, I mean, it seems like um, it's been weeks since I been... <laughs> I think it's been three weeks. I think it has. I think between technology issues and then going on vacation and, you know, just, just a variety of things. So um, this feels brand new all over again. <laughs> well, I'm happy to hear you say that. And it's nice to have you here. And you brought another fabulous guest on a topic that, you know, I was making a little light of it. It's a very serious topic. And for people who are caring for someone who has dementia, it can completely uproot your life and affect you, affect your health mentally and physically. And many times uh, we don't know what to do. We're not sure if it's the right thing, the wrong thing. We're screaming, we're frustrated. So we're going to find out more, but I'd love to have you share a little bit about your background when it comes to this topic and also your area of expertise, because you're helping people as they age gracefully uh, all over. So please do share with our audience, especially people joining us for the first time. Okay. So I have a home care agency and um, I started it as a result of my mom having two strokes back to back. And I then became her primary caregiver. So um, I've been doing this since 2013. And um, we have caregivers that go into the home and take care of the elderly. Um, and so, but I also take care of my mom and have since um, 2014. And uh, she's 91 now. And um you know, I mean, the, the decline is real, but you just have to put everything into perspective. And I've gone through, it, it seems like whenever she hits a new plateau of decline, 
it has an impact on me in terms of probably from an emotional point of view. Um, it's it's a new level of frustration. And, um, you know, actually going away on vacation this time, I had uh, a, a lot of time to reflect on the beach and sit in the water because the water was phenomenal. And um, just think about how I've got to reposition all of this in my mind, how I have got to uh, learn how to rise to the occasion. And um, I've only been home a day and a half and I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> so I'll keep you posted. <laughs> You're still laughing. I like it. So before we bring out our guests, uh, I appreciate the fact that you were sort of taking us with you there on your journey. You're, you're sitting there on the beach and reflecting. And what are one or two key points that really came to you, if you don't mind sharing? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, not at all. Um, I'm, I mean, I try to be pretty open about myself and, and the situation as well, just to, to try to help other people. Um, but um, I've decided that I, as she, as she declines, then I just have to realize that this is just another chapter and um, I cannot get upset, meaning I have to control the emotions in my face, um, in my eyes, in my voice, and I just have to let it go and, um, and really pretty much let everything go and just become a master at redirecting her um, and just having an, an, an inordinate amount of patience. Um, I have also, I, I gave up months ago on trying to correct her, uh, like when she has things long, wrong uh, on a timeline or just that th things that just aren't right. And um, I think that that will help immensely as well. But, you know, just, I've just, I just have to relax. I just, um, because it's, you know, like you've heard over and over again, probably about like, like animals that they can tell when we are anxious and upset. Um, I believe the same is true with people with cognitive impairment. Uh, they, they feel our energy and um, I can't do that to her. I, I can't. Um, the, the distractions come from, for me is work. Uh, the phone is ringing. I'm getting text messages. I'm getting emails. People are, it's just that, just that daily frenzy. And then she'll, she'll knock on my door and she's had a hygiene accident that I need to address immediately. And it's like, but I'm all dressed up in heels. I, you know, it, it's just, and, and I can't do that. Can't do it. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. It's uh, I, I, when you master this, please let me know. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know that I will ever arrive, but I, I keep, I mean, you know, ever, ever since I had those just kind of affirmations to myself, just sitting on the beach in the water and just saying, this is how it's got to be cat. I just, I just made up my mind. As we all know, the mind is very, very powerful and this is just how it's got to be how it's got to be for me. Yeah, I like it. Thanks again for sharing that. And you've brought us a wonderful guest and she's actually joining us from the West Coast. So I give her a lot of credit and I asked her, how would you like to be introduced today? So our guest is Tracy Cram Perkins and she said she'd like to be introduced as a dementia 
caregiving survivor. And she has been taking care of family members for over 13 years. And she's actually taking care of her fourth family member. So she's an author. We're going to hear all about things for people to do if you are caregiving so that you don't do the wrong thing to get the person upset. And, and you're not taking everything in internally and beating yourself up. Let's welcome Tracy to the program. Hi, Tracy. Hi, thank you for having me. Hi, Tracy. Hi, I, I'm so excited to be here, you guys. Uh, after hearing your story, Kathy, about uh, you know the body language, can we talk about body language real quick? Oh, one of the first things that when we're born, we actually uh, start learning a body language, how to recognize body language, and that never goes away. So the reason you're having catastrophic meltdowns when you get upset and they're going to mirror what you see. Um, so it's it makes it really important that uh, when, like you said, that you smile with your eyes, that you, you don't get upset, and then they'll be calm and relaxed. And then you can find ways to work with them to get them to do the things that they need. So it's really, it's one of those things that's a tool now that, that now that you're aware of it, you can use it, although it's not easy. And also walking into the bedroom and screaming into a pillow also helps because there's times when you're just going to be so stressed out. So that, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, one of the other things you might want to think about is um, when you're correcting them, and you were talking about that also, uh, with dementia and actually especially Alzheimer's disease, their brain is actually shrinking and developing holes. And so they no longer have the ability to realize what is the, the actually happened. And so it's whatever their current truth is, and you need to be in their truth in order to get them motivated to do the things that you need them to do. So when you were talking about your mom having an accident and, and needing help while you were working, um, there's going to be times when you just want to scream and yell and, and, but keeping a smile on your face and making them feel safe and secure. You're their safety net. So do you guys have any questions you want to talk about or what would you like to talk Definitely. about? Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. So a question I have is when a person's in this role, they're really in two roles. They're the family member and then they're the caregiver. So as the family member, that person could be feeling emotions about what's happening. But yet as the caregiver, you have to take that aside and do what needs to be done to keep them safe. So how do you, how does one balance that? How have you been doing it? Uh, I, I have what I call call a friend. I have my safety net where I have people that I can call when I'm melting down or talk to so that I can have a moment to vent because there's, when you've got somebody with you 24 seven and you're trying to work and you're trying to take care of them and, and weird things happen. Um, I had an experience where my dad thought his uh, coat had poisonous gas and was trying to kill him. And I, it was while I was trying to have a meeting with someone uh, online and I had to cancel that and go and take care of him because he was literally freaking out. Um, I got him to a point where he was safe. We hid the clothing. Uh, and then uh, when he was all calmed down, I needed to calm down because he was literally crying and screaming and, and yelling because he thought his life was in danger. So we have to have some way to vent, some outlet. If you can phone a friend, that's a really great thing. Uh, also with, when you have somebody that's having a catastrophic meltdown, if you've got a friend or neighbor that can come over, because like in my case, when I'm taking care of my, when I was taking care of my father, uh, men tend to listen more to other men. And so they want their, their entire lives they spent 
uh, helping other men resolve their problems. So if you have a male friend that can come in and act in a way like, let's say they, the gas, they thought poisonous gas was coming out of their coat. Um, if you have somebody that can come in and look kind of professional or reassuring or in, in some way can help them with that delusion to walk them through to a place of safety, that's also a great way to help you have a moment to calm down and have some support. I, so I am lucky that I had my husband and I have neighbors that were willing to come and help me uh, once they understood what was going on and how to walk somebody through. Uh, it was basically the more you teach people to how to help you, the more help you can get. So that's something to, to keep in mind. Now, did I answer your question? Yes, you did. Thank you. That was very helpful. So as the, as the caregiver is going through, I feel there are probably stages of this disease. How does your caregiving strategy per se change or does it? Oh, it definitely changes. Uh, you have to deal with your emotional component because like you're losing them one thread at a time. Let's say that you took them on a vacation and you come back from the vacation. You're going to see a cognitive decline after that because you've taken them out of their routine. And then you've lost another little piece of them that you as the family member have to deal with. Uh, then you also have to be able to now meet them where they are and figure out exactly what is triggering it. Um, I ended up creating something that I called the meltdown trigger list. And whenever my dad would have a, a decline, I would then <clears throat> record over the next several days, whenever this behavior that, you know, like whether it was showing up in sundowners or he was having some other meltdown, I would record what was going on environmentally around him to find out if it was like a noise setting him off, if it was sirens, if it was something that I was doing, because uh, maybe I'm doing something different that, that would make him upset. Once I figured out what the trigger was, and if you do it three or four days in a row, you can kind of get an idea. Maybe it's temperature, maybe he's too cold or, or maybe she's too hot. Um, then write those down so that you can have people that are helping you also know how to redirect them once you figure out how to correct whatever the problem is. So if it's something where it's too much noise, you can take them into a quiet room, play soft music, uh, get them a snack, wrap them in a blanket or something to make them feel warm and secure. And then you can go down and recover. So just simple things to pay attention to their body language, your body language, um, make sure that once they've declined, you have something in place. Um, I've put several strategies in my book that you can actually follow to get them redirected and distracted when you're having that moment where you can't figure out what to do. So it's something something on that order where you need to look at what their next step is and then find out where you can meet them in that place. And it's really, it's the burden on your shoulders, but talk to other people like in a support group who've also gone through it with you uh, or are ahead of you so that you can kind of get ideas of, okay, my mom is doing this. How do I get her to this place? So if you can share ideas, that's also reaffirming because then you know you're not alone and it's not just you. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Kathy, one more question. I'll turn it over to you. Yeah. Um, my, my question is, you mentioned something really significant. You mentioned about taking them on a vacation and taking them out of their environment. So if the person was very active and like to do a lot of things and now doesn't want to do any of those things, just let them be in the environment that they're in instead of trying to encourage them to do some things that they used to do or some different things. 
Oh, okay. This is where once you get to moderate stages of dementia, routine is the most powerful tool in your toolbox. If you take them out of their routine, they are going to derail and it will cause cognitive decline. Uh, it, when they're in the early stages of dementia, travel and as many memories as you can. But once they get to moderate stages, then you really want to keep them in their routine. Anytime they're taken out of their routine, you, you'll have another decline. You'll have behavior issues because you are their safety and security as so is their routine. If they can, they have limited cognition, they can take only do what they're used to doing. And when they have to try and do something new, it's too difficult because of the holes in their brain to be able to figure out how to take care of whatever it is that just happened to them. So that's why you're getting the, the issues that you're getting is because they are not feeling safe. And so we have to get them back to a place of feeling safe because whenever any of us are scared, then we have a reaction and, and it takes us a while to calm down too. So, and there's about, it's about 10 steps to getting somebody back to safety. If there's something where they're yelling and screaming in the room with you, and I learned this from Tipa Snow, this is a great tip. Um, Make sure that you're standing on their dominant side. Face the direction because you want to become their champion. Stand on the dominant side and yell the same things they are yelling. Once they realize that you are both in sync, they'll stop yelling. They have no reason to yell. You're yelling for them. You're their champion. And once you get them to that point, you can start bringing them down, calming them down, and getting to a place of safety where they will relax and you can both get back to a place of calm. So it, uh, and I have this on my website. It's a, a freebie I give away with my, if you sign up for my newsletter, it's the 10 steps to uh, calming aggressive dementia behavior. It's a really great tool to uh, get them down uh, when they are having a meltdown. So that's just another tool you can try to try and get them down. And it works really great. Um, also, one of the things, again, from Tipa Snow, when if they're in a large room, uh, open spaces are, are rather stressful. So it's a lot of noise. If you can move them to a smaller space, then they will feel safer. So if you can take them like to their bedroom and when you're guiding them and this, I'm going to hold my hand up, you want to give them a little pressure here. So you want to do a hand under hand, which is Tipa Snow's method. So you can hold their hand, give them a little pressure here. It actually gives them a feeling of security. Put Place your hand, other hand in the palm of their back and guide them to that room. You want to do whatever it can to give them physical reassurance because we're, we are tactile creatures. All of us love hugs. We love to you know talk to each other, touch each other, especially when you're close to family. And you want to use the things that will bring them back to calm. Thank you so much. That was really helpful. Kathy, I'm going to turn it over to you to ask a question. Well, one thing that um, has happened or, I mean, let's see, we've, we've been in this house for about a year now. And um, so, you know, she's, she's with me all day and, um, but this, this is something that happens pretty much every single night. Um, so she's, she's, she has a hard time walking, very hard time walking. She's, uh, just very, very frail on her, on her feet. Okay. And so she needs a walker. Um, but one of the things is that she is up or gets me up every night in the middle of the night, um, anywhere from 12 a.m. to <clears throat> 6 or 7 a.m., at least three or four times 
Okay. So it could be one, two, three, four, because she needs help going to the bathroom. Okay. But for some reason, and, and I, I, I think after all this time I have identified why, um, and she's, she would kill me for, uh, saying this, but I, I think it will, I think it could help a lot of people. Um, so she, of course she wears the depends and she wears the pad in, inside, you know, for overflow. Um, but, uh, in her bed, she will, uh, before I get there, before like I, I hear her, uh, she has, uh, shredded it and, uh, pulled the stuffing out, which I don't know if you've ever examined the inside of a depends or any of that stuff, but it's got tiny little microscopic beads mm -hmm. and they get everywhere. And it is, I don't even have the gross. It doesn't even, it just doesn't even cover it. Okay. So I am consistently changing sheets. I am, I am up pretty much, you know, all night, every night. Um, that's why I'm tired. Um, but uh, I do believe the root as to why she does this is for attention. That's number one, because, because um, when, like, for example, when I uh, took a few days and, and went on vacation, and this, this has been the consistent pattern, the person that stays with her, she doesn't do this to her. Because I have asked her, I have taken pictures and I'm like, are you sure she's not doing this to you? And she's like, no, because see, it's, it's a different level of communication be between the two of them. Um, I mean, you know, it, it's just, it's just a different dynamic. And, um, so I, I, I don't get mad. I just change her. I clean her. I'm consistently vacuuming. I'm consistently changing sheets. I am, I mean, it's like, I'm really fast at it now, you know, but, um, uh, but it is, it's, I, in, in all my years, I've never encountered a, or known of even a client that would exhibit this kind of behavior. And I, I really do believe it's to get my attention. And if you don't have the right mindset, I, I remember the first time that she did it. I mean, my head blew off. I mean, wouldn't yours? It's like, what are you doing? I mean, you, you got to be kidding me. I mean, why would you shred the interior of your diaper? Why would you pull it out and throw it in your bed? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, okay. What have you tried... In changing behaviors, I mean, have you? Okay, let, let me as an example. Um, with with my aunt, we've been using, and this was recommended to me by somebody else that uh, was going through the same thing I was. Um, we used pooch pads because they're doggy potty training pads. They're washable and reusable, and I started putting them in the beds. Um, and that way, if we had some sort of issue, uh, it was contained in the pooch pad because they're they're designed to collect about eight hours worth of urine. Um, what we did then is, you know, it's like if they weren't going to stay in their, their, you know, depends, then I had to find an alternative. So I'm just wondering what things have you, would you consider trying to change that behavior? Cause it's, it's, uh, if it's a power play where she's feeling, obviously she's got some need that's going on at that hour of the morning that 
she thinks only you can fulfill. So maybe it's finding something for her to do because she's gonna, obviously she's got sundowner. She's been, uh, is wandering around at night, sort of. I mean, obviously mobility is an issue, but what things does she like to do that uh, would keep her busy at night? I mean, are there, are there activities that you can give her? Uh, obviously she's going to have to still, you know, go to the bathroom, but something so that you get a little bit more sleep since you've got somebody that comes in and does things differently. What is it that they are doing that you aren't? Well, um, the, the person that does things differently, I mean, she's giving her, her undivided attention. Okay. And so I, I can't do that. And you know, but, um, the things that my, that my mom likes, uh, she wants to talk all the time and I'm sure she feels like she and I don't talk enough, but, but she's always felt that way, even, you know, prior to this disease. And, um, but I'm just, I I'm wired differently. I, I, I can't sit and talk to you all day. I, I, I just, I, I run out of gas. I mean, I just, I just don't have that much to say, you know? And so, um, she likes to read, but see her eyesight is dimming. And so it's, I just feel like I'm kind of out of luck. I I mean, there's at two, anywhere from, you know, 12 AM to 6 AM. What is she going to do? That wouldn't require my attention. You see, I have an, an idea. I don't know if it's completely Tracy, I'll defer to you, but what about being able to listen to an audio book? Tracy, yeah. what do you think? Well, I, I think that's a lovely idea. Cause that's one of the things that we, we would play old radio programs. Cause my parents are this a uh, little bit older than your mom. And that was one of the things that worked with them. But I was also thinking, what if you have during the day, uh, uh, somebody that's chatty, uh, you know, like, uh, that comes in and talks to your mom and exhausts her. If she has somebody to talk to during the day, uh, if you can get somebody like visiting angels or something where you've got like somebody that's like the chatty church lady that comes in and chats with her and then she gets so tired, she ends up sleeping longer. I hear you. And and I think that that's a great idea. But at 91, I mean, she has always been able to, she, she gives new meaning to a run on sentence, meaning, <laughs> I mean, she doesn't take a breath. And when she does, she takes all the air out of the room. And then she's on, she's on to her next book. I mean, you can't get a word in edgewise. Okay. I mean, this woman is a, is a pro. I mean, it's, it's just the way that it is. I am, I am so open to, to your suggestions, but this is just, this is who she is. Okay. Do you have, does she have a friend that, or somebody that can be brought over that can visit with her that's partially deaf that, you know, will just keep nodding and smiling, but doesn't necessarily engage so that she can talk on and on and on and they're happy to spend time together? No, I mean, that's a good idea, but no. Okay. I mean, you know, but I, I mean, I, these are all great ideas though. I mean, it may not work for me. It, it may not be a, a fit, but it doesn't mean that I may not run into somebody that, you know. What about have- the visiting angels? Can you tell us about that as well? 
Oh yeah, Visiting Angels is a wonderful organization. Uh, they now they're not nursing. What they are is they're like a home helper. So they'll come in and they'll help clean the house. They provide companionship. They can uh, do meals. They can prompt people to take their medications, but they cannot give people their medications. So what they come in is they they're like a, a, an extra hand or an extra family member that comes in and and keeps your family member company. Uh, also while you know helping keep the place tidy or you know. Uh, feeding them or, or whatever they need to do or, or doing an activity with them. And so it's it's a great service. And, you know, if you have them coming in for two or three hours in the afternoon, because uh, you don't want to necessarily, they're going to be brightest in the morning. In the afternoon, they start to fade a little bit. And that might be the time, depending on the person's personality, to have somebody come in and have someone with them. Because if you can do activities that they enjoy or she exhausts herself, then she's more likely to uh, spend spend more time sleeping at night. Uh, we found that if we let my dad nap too long during the daytime, he was up all night uh, wandering around and he would stand outside our bedroom door and he would call my name uh, until I got up to help him. And then I would get him taken care of, go back to bed. 30 minutes later, he'd reset and do the same thing. And so we found that we had to find activities that had kept him busy in the afternoon so that he would actually sleep most of the night and then we had fewer issues. So it's just trying to find what works for your mom uh, or works for your family member that that will engage them socially because they're, they're still that feeling that they need to be engaged socially. They, they know there's a part missing and then you are their safety net. And so they expect you to do that. But sometimes if you can bring an outside person like somebody from Visiting Angels to come in and care for them, that can relieve you from some of the burden, actually give you some respite and also give your family members some respite because now they've got another person to talk to or engage with. Tracy, thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, I really heard what you said about keeping the person in their environment and also about the noise level and a smaller room. What if the person is reluctant or abstinent about showering, about taking care of themselves, uh, washing their hair, those types of hygienic things. What does one do? Uh, there's there's several things you can do. As I said before, routine is very powerful, but you can also be a little sneaky about this. Uh, if you prepare your bathroom in a way that it's kind of like a spa-like setting and then create a routine, like this is what I did with my family. With my dad, uh, I had trouble getting him to bathe and I had trouble getting him to change clothes so that I could do laundry. Um, and of course, if you can't get them to bathe, they get a little ripe and it's unpleasant. So what we did is I would buy multiples of his favorite piece of clothing. I would wrap them, or actually, I would put them in a box with a gift card from a family member or a note from a family member. And then that evening I would ask him to help me wrap it because I didn't have time, I was making dinner. I didn't tell him what was inside. He couldn't open the box because I just had it lightly taped shut. So he would wrap it. It wasn't necessarily pretty, but he would do his best job. And then I would take it away and say thank you to him. And I would put that in a cupboard and wait till the next morning after breakfast. What we would do is I would, uh, while he was eating, I would go sneak the gift onto his pillow. He would come in and he would find a present. He would get so excited about this present that what we also did is because my father was an escape artist and would wander until we addressed the need. Um, we would get the, we would, he would put the take a shower then, put on the new clothes so that I could take a picture and send it to the family member who gave him the gift because I had a bunch of family members write cards. And then we would uh, 
send that pic. We wouldn't send the picture, but we pretend to send the picture. We, we also had a little fun with it because then he would start posing like a, like he was a model and had fun and we would laugh. And then I had my daily photo in case he escaped and I could give it to the police. Cause we had one time when he did escape and I couldn't, he'd been wearing the same thing for three days in a row. And I didn't remember what it was and what he was wearing. I just went completely blank. And so fortunately my neighbors were able to help me find him because they knew what he looked like and, and we were able to get him back. But if you can create some sort of routine where the, it becomes enjoyable for them to bathe, you can also suggest that there's a, either a lady or gentleman caller that might be coming over and ask them if they'd like to freshen up. Uh, one other thing to think about is um, if you make it into like a spa experience and then you have it set up so that you've got like a uh, essential oils in there. If you've got, so they have a pleasant smell. Uh, they have, you know, things that make it look like a bathroom, but at a spa and you've got extra towels and the room is warm. You can get them in there. And you also have to address uh, our, is part of the problem why they're not bathing because they don't want to be seen naked by someone else. If that's the case, then you need to make sure that they have some sort of covering that you can bathe them uh, bathe underneath that covering so that they can uh, you can actually get them washed. There's there's several things that you can try to get them to bathe, and it just depends on the personality, what works, what doesn't work. But again, if this is something where they maybe get rewarded after they get a bath, so let they get a sweet treat, um, anything that they. Uh, it, dementia is emotional re related memory. So they'll remember the good stuff. They'll also remember the bad stuff. So, and sometimes if you've had a catastrophic meltdown, you can do a good caregiver, bad caregiver thing and have somebody else come in and rescue them from the bathing experience. And then you'll say, oh, I'm so sorry this happened to you. May I help you? And then work your way through to continue the bathing. So there's, there's several different options that you can do with bathing to get them to bathe. Uh, telling them they stink trying to argue with them or yell at them will never work. I love how creative you are. Oh. <laughs> I love it. Tracy, what about when it comes to routine and food? Is it a good idea to be serving the same thing on a regular basis or should you be trying new food items to keep them interested? You, you can try new food items. I mean, it just depends on the person. Some people, they'll eat the same thing every day and they won't eat anything else. So stick with whatever their comfort food is. But other people like variety, like my dad liked a lot of variety. Um, so for him, that was that was great. For other family members, you know, they it was like, okay, I don't care. You know, it's whatever I, I, I can eat or chew. Um, it, with food, it's it depends also on, is it a social event for them? Uh, and then another thing to think about is the messiness issue. Uh, if And also, can they see the food on the plate? So uh, a couple of things to keep in mind is if there's a routine that you can build in, like let's say that they spill down the front of them all the time while they're eating because they're now eating with their fingers and they can't use utensils. Um, what we did is we took a... a apron that everybody in the family wore. We all wore it to dinner. And then after dinner, we would take the apron off and I would wash the aprons. And then that way it wasn't singling someone out. You never put a bib on an adult. Aprons are cool because that means you're doing a job. So we want to do something that assures them and affirms they're still adults. Um, anything you do that, that you know, makes them feel like you're treating them like a child will also get a catastrophic meltdown. Um, the other thing with food, once they get farther into the dementia, you've got a chromatopsia to worry about and they can only see what's in front of them. They can see black, white, 
red, bright red and bright blue. Um, so you want to use something like bright red plates or bright blue plates so they can focus on the food and only feed them uh, in uh, one meat, one portion at a time. So like you'll start with the protein and then you might do the starch and then you might do the, the vegetable but or whatever it is that you're feeding them because you want to keep self-feeding for as long as possible. Um, also, if they have arthritis or once they start losing the ability to you know hold utensils in their hand, you can actually add the grips that you use for uh, people with arthritis so that they can manipulate the forks or the spoons for a lot longer. So there's, there's a lot of different things you can do to create and encourage them to eat. You can make a special routine around it. Just, I mean, it just it just has to be something you do every day that they recognize and they will fall into, uh, so that they will join along because they're going to look to you to see what is it that you're doing and I should do that. So use mirroring because that's when they, they mirror what you do as a tool to help you get them to do something to help you help them. Thank you. Lots of great great points there. I'm also wondering if the person continuously is repeating the same stories over and over and you listen to it the first five, six, 10, 20 times, and then you just can't take it anymore. And you try to, to deflect the conversation to somewhere else, but then it comes back. What do you do? Leave the room for a few minutes and go outside and scream or what, what does one do? Okay, you can definitely do right right now if you don't have any uh, redirection or re, or distraction tools that is a safe bet. Um, create their memory book. What and this is going to come into to, uh, a tool that you're going to use for a lot of different things. If you create a memory book where you have pictures of them starting from when they're a young child all the way up to the the age they are now. Um, put things in it like, you know, photos of them. This is me at 85. This is me at 45. This is me at two. Um, what you want to do is you want to tell their story in the book so that when they get the broken record syndrome and they start repeating the same thing every two minutes, you want to be able to put the book in their hand. They can flip through the pages. They'll see pictures of their favorite pets. They'll see pictures of vacations maybe they went on. Uh, in different orders of their life. And you want to start it from the earliest pictures you can get all the way up to where they are now. Uh, this tool is going to be important for a couple reasons. It'll help you find out where they are in their timeline in their brain. Because as the holes develop, the current memories will disappear and you'll have to figure out where they are in their truth so that you can deal with them where they are and find out that, okay, right now they're upset because they think that they're, they should be going home or they need to go to work or whatever it is. So you need to figure out what timeline they are so you can make an answer that fits whatever's going on at that moment and break the cycle. Because when they're repeating that story uh, and they get on the broken record, it's because there's an unmet need. And so we need to figure out what that unmet need is so that we can move them on to something else. So having that memory book, make sure that the sentences underneath the photos are uh, no longer than 10 words because otherwise they'll forget the beginning of the sentence before they get to the end. Don't have more than three people in it because if you have too much in there, it's too much information, they can't process it. So no more than three pictures and don't correct them. So you can hear fabulous pieces of fiction that, that have absolutely nothing to do with the picture that shows her and her, her siblings. And then she says, oh, it's my great aunt Hazel and she's doing blah, 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 blah. Um, it doesn't matter. She's telling her story. She's really happy. You can turn a deaf ear now and just smile and say, oh, I never knew that. And just keep it going. And then, you know, you flip a page and a new story starts. So it, it's a great way to distract them, especially if they're upset. You can use that to help calm them down along with playing their favorite music. 
Uh, I find that getting them to sing their favorite songs is a great way to break them out of the repetitive story question also, because they will join in because they can remember some of the words. Maybe they can't remember all the words, but anything that you can do to break that cycle so that you get a break is a win. You are just a wealth of knowledge. It's it's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> and you're still smiling. That's what I love. <laughs> so uh, I love that idea about the, the picture book and figure out where they are in the timeline. Another question I have is if the person had a very active life and now they don't, is it okay to just let them watch television all day or stare at, out into the sky? Well, it's, it's good to get them some uh, stimulation, but at, at some point, if they're, again, I'm going back to the tunnel vision, they'll develop tunnel vision. They may not want to do other things. That might be the activity that they want to do. But if you can get them to engage socially, so like if you did have somebody from Visiting Angels coming in and they could get them to, you know, talk, tell a story, whatever, maybe even do an Alzheimer's puzzle, something that's large and big, just to have them do an activity because anything to stimulate the brain, they'll get a little more, um, you, you get a little more response out of them later. So, and you might have, okay, another really good one is to get them to play with Legos. Uh, there's a gal, uh, oh gosh, now I'm forgetting her name. Uh, oh, I apologize. I'll think of her name in a minute. Uh, but she uh, teaches uh, Lego serious play to people with Alzheimer's as a way to engage them to uh, so that they can be creative and have something to do and then maybe tell a story or whatever it is with whatever they're creating. Uh, you'd be surprised how someone might come alive that they could be sitting there staring at the TV and never looking at it and then uh, at anything else and not even be responsive. And you put a toy in their hand or something tactile that they can play with. Um, you'd be surprised at what you could get out of them. You might even get conversation when they're being, when they're at a point where they're hardly conversing with anybody. So anything you can do to stimulate their brain, uh, Legos are a great thing as long as they're, it's, they're not putting it in their mouth. Um, there is a point where people will start just trying to eat things depending on where they are in their dementia and the personality. Um, at that point, you just want to like substitute snacks that they can eat and realize that someone with Alzheimer's disease, very few of them, if they go to the end of the disease, will ever die fat. So uh, it doesn't hurt if they gain a few pounds. I'm just writing it all down. I love this idea about the Legos. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I just came across the Legos recently. It was such a great, uh, and I learned this through a connection from Steve Gurney. So for those of you that have met Steve Gurney, uh, it was just a wonderful uh, lesson to learn, and I have started trying it with other people. I keep boxes of Legos at my house for the grandies, and it was just one of those things that's like, why didn't I know this sooner so that I could have been playing with my dad and had him building things and doing fun stuff while he was living with me? I, I have two more questions, and then we're almost out of time. Um, the first one is, what about exercise? If the person has always been athletic and the person still likes to do some things, but it requires them actually leaving the home by themselves. Is that a safe thing to do? Well, it depends on where they are in their dementia. Um, wandering can be an issue. Six out of 10 people with Alzheimer's disease will wander uh, if you have a way of retrieving them. So if you have like, uh, they, they, now, they now have wonderful systems that you can use to keep track of your loved one. Uh, they have GPS and RFID, and there's one other one I'm not thinking of, that you can actually have either on their clothing or on a watch or a necklace or something so that they that you can keep track of where they are. If they're early enough in their dementia that they can go for a walk, because we did that with my dad, he was able to walk 
uh, from our house to the grocery store and back. And that was his routine every single day. We also uh, had a, a literal forest in our front yard. So he was chopping uh, vegetation every day. And that was very exciting for him because then the neighbors would come by and tell him how great it looked and ask them to come work in their yard. So anything that be can be socializing if they're trustworthy enough to be able to do that. Um, but you have to have a way to be able to retrieve them. Now, when people wander, they are generally going to go in the direction of their dominant hand, but not always. If they have a routine like my dad did, then when he would wander off, I would know the direction to look for him. But it's too easy for somebody to be 15 feet from the house. They get trapped in something and you don't see them and they can pass away within 24 hours. So uh, it, you have to be mindful of where they are, but definitely keep them active. Uh, if you have the ability and, and the privilege of having a fenced yard, uh, they can even walk around outside so that they can't wander off once they get to the point where they can't, they don't know where they are. If they can't find the bathroom from their bedroom, do not let them go out wandering by themselves. Thank you. Thank you, Tracy. And last question. If the person prefers to be in their room, Mm -hmm. and they spend all their time there except for maybe when it's time to eat is that okay or should you encourage them to come out of the room uh there should be some socializing however if you're getting catastrophic meltdowns it's because there's something outside their room that's uh, that's too much for them uh keep in mind that it glare that uh, if the floors, if you have floors that are highly waxed, it, it will appear like ice to them and they might be afraid to walk on it. So you've got to address the fear that's keeping them trapped in their room, at least in their mind. Um, it could be shadows. It could be, is there a lot of sound echoing? Because too much noise is too much for someone with Alzheimer's disease. Their brain can't process it. Mm -hmm. If you've got like kids playing video games, if you've got children running around the house, if you've got loud music or the TV or whatever that's going on and it's too much for them, watch their behavior it's figure out what it is that's causing them to literally hide in their room now if you've got a lot of open space that's really difficult for somebody to process with alzheimer's disease that's probably why they're in the room because there's too much space uh with the space comes a lot of sound and echo and then they are confused so it, you've kind of got to watch what they're doing but it's really important to get them to socialize it'll slow the progression of the disease tracy i can't thank you enough uh, i hope you'll come back because you are just a wealth of information tell us about about your book well my book is a toolbox for the caregiver i uh, my dad made me promise that before he finally went but while he was still cognitive enough to write down everything that we were learning and then teach other people how to do it so i literally put together a toolbox that you flip to the area that you need when you need it there is an eight page table of contents so you can scan down and it's broken up by categories so you can find it instead of hunting for it and then it's only practical tools there's no fluff in there whatsoever so that if you need to find a distraction technique a cueing aid uh, if you need to know uh, how to deal with bathing there's stuff in there for how to prepare the bathroom how to prepare your living environment it's got a lot of facts all the way up through to when someone passes and how to close down any banking accounts, social media accounts, if they have an email. So it, it's every step you need from diagnosis to beyond passing. And how can we get the book? It's available everywhere. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it at your favorite bookstore. You can, uh, wherever books are sold, you can find the book. Tracy, thank you so much. I can't I can't tell you how helpful you've been, how many great insights that you've shared today. And Kathy, thank you so much for bringing Tracy today. Oh, I, I'm thrilled. Thank you so much, Tracy. You you have really, I know a lot of people will benefit from this conversation and from your book, as I have. 
Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Oh, thank you. Well, please delightful. do come back. We'd love to have you on this show or any of our other shows as well. I would love to come back. Great. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks I'll for getting up early to be with us. <laughs> it's my pleasure. <laughs> All right. We'll see you again soon, hopefully. Thank you. Oh, you will. <laughs> thank you. Bye for now. Bye. Bye, Tracy. What a great interview, Kathy. I mean, the number of tips that she just shared and it just flowed out of her. She didn't have to think about it. Obviously, the 13 plus years that she's been doing this, she's an expert. Yeah. Well, and two, um, I think that it's really helped that she has had, I think she said that she's on her fourth family member. So imagine, um, I mean, just the four different personalities and all of the nuggets, if you will, that she's been able to glean from each one of them. So, um, you know, one thing I wish that we would have had time to, to talk about was uh, a little bit more would be clothing, but um, we'll, I'll make a note of that and uh, we can talk about that the next time. Wonderful. Thank you. Well, Kathy, well, I have you on spotlight because we've got to get to the next show. How can people reach out to you and who would you like to contact you? Well, anyone that needs uh, home care assistance, whether it's uh, hourly or if you need 24-hour care, uh, we can provide that. Um, we're a licensed home care agency, so feel free to call me at 703-402-1172, or you can email me. I'm at uh, kathyfulton1965 at gmail.com. All right, Kathy Fulton, thank you again. We're off to what's trending. And then you have your own show, which is Talking Heads. What will you be discussing today? Um, small bathrooms that can be effortlessly, effortlessly elegant. Easy for me to say, right? <laughs> Fantastic. And in case you missed it, in the newsletter that we sent out yesterday, the Global Post, Kathy is featured twice. So please do either go over to my personal Facebook page and you can find the Global Post there or go to usaglobaltv.com and subscribe. We would love to have you on our newsletter list. And by the way, Tracy, I think would be fabulous using her book as a reference to teach a course to help people because I, I don't know what the statistics are, but there are plenty of people who are going through this and would welcome the help. Oh, so. without a doubt. All right, Kathy, we are off and running. We will be back very shortly with what's trending less than 10 minutes. Bye for now. Thanks, Tracy. Bye.